Hi, this is John Burlingame, host of Disney's Four Scores podcast. In this podcast series, we bring together the most accomplished film and television composers working today and reveal the emotional journeys, inspirations, and unique challenges of their work. Our guest today is responsible for the music in some of the most popular programming of the moment, season three of The Mandalorian. He was also composer on The Book of Boba Fett, and before that, assisted Ludwig Göransson on the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. A longtime collaborator with Ludwig, he did programming, arranging, and additional music duties on such high-profile films as Black Panther, Venom, and Tenet. He was also co-composer on the Disney Plus series The Mysterious Benedict Society. Welcome, Joseph Shirley. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Joe, tell us about your background. Where are you from, and have you always been interested in music for films and television? I'm from Jackson, Mississippi, raised in a musical family. I have three brothers, each of whom play different instruments or an assortment of instruments. I play piano. That's always been my instrument. We grew up playing you know, different family gatherings and different gigs around town as kids with the dream of becoming, you know, a famous family band. It didn't totally pan out, but in the scope of that, my parents were supportive enough and I feel grateful that they have always pushed me and my brothers to pursue music and, and they always supported that for us. But I was studying classical and playing with my family and then, you know, that kind of branched out in high school, playing with a, a bunch of different blues bands and just being in Mississippi, that's just kind of like America's heartland, I'd say, like musically, and we always played blues music and all different types of stuff. But I've got to give a shout out to my aunt, who was a teacher at my high school, and she taught me in my cohorts creative writing. It was a creative writing course. She allowed us for one school project. I don't even know how it related to the to the actual lesson, but it was more or less like be creative, you know. And we pitched to her, we'd like to make. A musical and shoot it, you know. So, like, a buddy of mine borrowed his family's camcorder. We went out and, and shot, like, I wrote, like, I don't know, probably 12 or 15 songs or something. And we shot this on film and edited it all together. I had all my friends sort of mime their parts, you know, and it was just such an amazing experience of writing music for a visual medium. And I just totally fell in love with that idea, you know. And I, I had always written music growing up, but I think that's what really sort of opened my mind up. So special shout out to my Aunt Cleta because she definitely inspired me and so many people who studied under her. And, you know, it took off from there, I would say. I think that's wonderful. That's yeah. a great story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your history with Star Wars? Were you a fan growing up? I'm sort of curious to know if you followed the detailed history that has now resulted in the job that you have. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That That's a definite... I've always been a fan of Star Wars. I mean, you know, as a kid, my mother, I, I just, I have a distinct memory of my mother saying, you need to watch Return of the Jedi. And we had the VHS box set mm -hmm. along with, you know, the first five Rocky movies, along with uh, <laughs> the three Indiana Jones. You know, we had our little VHS collection and that was one that I just like ran into the ground. I watched it over so many times. But John Williams, again, was like a formative influence on me realizing that film music is art, you know, and that it can move you and it can help tell a story in ways that I didn't know until really sitting down and, and watching it as a kid. And even when you watch that stuff as a kid, you don't know why you're feeling certain ways until you look back on it and it's like, oh yeah, no, it was actually, for me, it was the music that made me feel certain ways about how incredible it is, you know? And um, 
Yeah, so I've been a fan since maybe, you know, nine or ten. Mm-hmm. It's like mid-90s for me, but have never looked back since, you know? Sure. It's, it just feels amazing to even just be part of that legacy now. So how did you meet Ludwig Göransson and begin working in various capacities on things that he was doing, including The Mandalorian? Yeah, so Ludwig is, he, he's been my boss. He is my mentor. He is now, I, I feel grateful that he's a friend now, you know, but he hired me as his assistant right out of the USC scoring program that I went to, which I studied under you. At. <laughs> and I, I can remember almost every lesson. That was That was definitely, you know, studying film music history was something that you wouldn't be able to get unless you were sitting down with a fellow like yourself. You know, I, I, as you've seen, I brought your book, and I'd love a signature. <laughs> but I was at USC as a student and graduated and didn't know what I was going to do, but I was definitely open to assistant ships. And Ludwig, I would assume, reached out because there was a connection there as he had also gone through the same program right. years before. So I think there was a bit of an understanding there. If, if you went to this USC program, you sort of know, at least, you know, for him it was like, he knew that I had a bit of an understanding of the business in that sort of way, at least on a student level, and felt comfortable hiring me on. So when The Mandalorian came along, uh-huh. what was your role there? What were you doing? Assistant. Like, whatever Ludwig needed was my role. If I'm getting my years right, it was like 2016, and Ludwig just booked out the studio where we were working for a solid month. And we set up all his instruments in there, and we started just coming up with thematic ideas for The Mandalorian. I didn't know what he was writing at the time. I knew the music he was writing. I didn't know what it was for. Mm. But it was a full month just blocked out that he was experimenting with things and he would invite me in at certain times to maybe play a couple lines and, you know, just be there creatively for him if if need be. But a lot of it was just helping him prepare for this project. But then in the scope of the actual scoring of the show, like there at every meeting, you know, getting to know some of these amazing filmmakers that are behind the show and becoming comfortable with the sound and, and what Ludwig and John were creating at the time. But John meaning John Favreau. John Favreau, yeah, yeah. And he's the showrunner, the creator. Yeah, of really. course. Yeah. And just a, a fantastic creative person. I mean, it, even just being a fly on the wall during those initial meetings, I would leave those meetings just so inspired by how clever and how smart, you know, not only the story is, but like how eloquent these guys can talk about music and what it can do to a story. And the legacy of Star Wars you can't really mention it without mentioning what the music has done for this franchise and what it's what it's done for this tradition. Yeah. And they know that, you know, they know that very well and we all love it because of that. But yeah, just initially the season 1 was just being there and and trying to do my best to help Ludwig get through the show cuz it's a massive undertaking. Oh yeah. There's just there's so much recording to do, there's so much writing to do, there's so much orchestration and when you're working on a show like that, it's almost like you're working on multiple movies at the same time. Mhm. And they have stayed true to this throughout the seasons. It's like every episode kind of has its own flavor. So there are times where musically episode six sounds nothing like episode five. And that, that, I would say that that's also true with this season. When did you start writing music? When did music of yours start to filter in, either through Boba Fett or maybe season two of Mandalorian? I don't remember. Yeah, season two, Ludwig allowed me to contribute additional music, I would say. And I mean, but that had a lot to do with just 
how much work we had going on at the time at, at his studio. And, you know, he's a very busy guy, um, very talented, busy guy. But, I, yeah, I felt very fortunate to, to be involved creatively on season two in that sort of way, you know, offering additional music. And there were certain episodes that I definitely took lead on, and then there were others that Ludwig took lead on. And it was a very organic process because I had been there with him through season one. And just over the years, you know, I mean, this is like four or five years in on our relationship that we, we kind of had a an understanding of how he likes to work and how I can help him in, in that sort of way. Mm. So how was Boba Fett different? I seem to recall that yes. Ludwig created the themes, but yes. you wrote the scores. Is That's that right? Correct? That's correct, yeah. So Ludwig wrote the main theme of the Book of Boba Fett, a really fantastic vocal-driven theme. And so that's what he gave to the show, and I, I took that theme and used it in the scope of the underscore while quoting some of the material that we'd already had in The Mandalorian and finding new ways to sort of reinvent those motifs and, and reinvent those themes and use them as the texture of that show. How is the soundscape for Boba Fett different from what you've been doing on Mandalorian? Or are, or are they related? I would say that it feels kind of like it's all in the same family, but they, they are definitely different in various ways. I mean, the book of Boba Fett had a very strong vocal element. Right. There were a bunch of chants, and it lended itself well to this sort of tribal ceremonial sound that really accompanied, like, Boba Fett's myth, I think, in certain ways. So that, you know, in the score, in the underscore throughout that season, I was using a lot of those vocal chants and things like that, really big, like, sort of, primal sounding percussion and a little bit more of like a an aggressive like savage like Boba Fett is the way he's presented in that season is he's such like a brute force very macho you know like nobody can beat Boba Fett you know I mean he, he could take your head off with his gaffy stick you know so I mean it's like very strong sounding music I think the music with the Mandalorian it has a bit more of that classic not only like Western, but it has a sound that we have come to know in the tradition of Star Wars, you know, that sort of is a tip of the hat to John Williams, like these big, big thematic orchestral moments, uh, you know? Yeah, of course. And there were moments like that in Boba Fett, of course, but The Mandalorian has, I would say, more characters and more character themes, and it's a little bit more character-based, and you're, you're following Din and Grogu throughout all their, their exploits throughout the galaxy. So it has maybe a bit more variation throughout the sound in, in The Mandalorian. But still, they feel related to me. The Four Scores playlist is available on all major music streaming services. Experience the magic behind the music you love whenever you like. Let's talk about season three of The Mandalorian. Obviously, we still have Ludwig's theme, mm -hmm. which is a key element and re which returns from time to time. Yep. But is the rest of the music your work? There are themes that I've contributed or even themes that I've taken little cells from previous seasons and used them to sort of spin out into newer themes. For instance, Bo-Katan has a theme that follows her throughout this season, and she plays a vital role, a very pivotal role. Her arc is very important in this season of The Mandalorian. There was a motif that followed her in season two that I've taken now for season three, and that we have a little bit more of a runway to really expand upon that. 
something that John asked of me was, you know, can we expand upon Bo-Katan's theme in a more symphonic way? Oh. And I thought that was really clever and cool because, I mean, she... She just she's so important to the story this time around, you know. She's great. That's Katie Sackhoff. Right? Yeah, yeah, and she's amazing and and so cool. And her performance, it, like her arc, is kind of the story of the season, I would say, in certain ways. And John re- just really wanted more of a substantial sound to to accompany her journey throughout the season. So I took took an original motif from season two and sort of inverted it, and then sort of hit it in the scope of like a regular song form like AABA that you know that that motif is stuck somewhere in the middle of now her theme you know and it's so it still harkens back to her original sound but I can expand upon that a little bit more I can develop it a little bit more if there's more to work with Do you think science fiction and fantasy stories need music more than traditional drama that's a great question. I I think they lend themselves well to more innovative music. Like if you think about animation, like the sound of an animation score, the music has to work extra hard because yeah. we're talking about inanimate objects, you know, or inanimate uh, characters. Similarly with, with something like Star Wars, like Din Djarin, he's wearing a helmet the whole time, you <laughs> right. know, so, and then you've got baby Grogu who is a puppet. And there are so many different aliens. Music is helpful. Music helps give these characters humanity, you know, and it helps tie them together in certain ways. And yeah, I I think that sci-fi scores, you can be a little bit more creative with it. Whereas maybe like a drama, it's a little bit more about the humanity on a more realistic level. And you want to just connect immediately with those characters on screen. But with sci-fi, you can build upon it in certain ways. So talk a little bit about the process. Do you start substantially before the season begins, maybe even before you've seen any footage? Do you read scripts? Do you talk with the filmmakers to sort of get a sense of it before you actually see footage? With this show, I would say now that we did the Book of Boba Fett with this same sort of arrangement of Ludwig providing a musical theme and me taking the score, it's almost like when a new season rolls around, we can hop back on the bike together and figure out Okay, how are we making this bike ride a little bit different? You know, we can talk about it after they've edited the first couple episodes. I mean, my first meeting with John, we watched episodes one and two. And and then we had a, a larger creative discussion about, how you know, what are we going to do that's different for this season? How, you know, and trying to figure out his vision and Dave's vision and Rick's vision. Okay, so now Dave yeah. is... <laughs> Dave Filoni, another showrunner and, and executive producer creator. Rick Famuyiwa... And I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but I, I'm crazy about Rick. He's a, he's a good friend now. But it basically, is sort of taking more of a leadership role, it seems. And, and he also directed several episodes of this season. So these are the th- key creative people you're working with. Exactly. At the beginning, we would watch a couple episodes and just talk about it, really. And we're at season three now. So there's so much time that has elapsed in the story but we're still following Din and, and Grogu. You know, that's the the heart of the story, I would say. And they have such strong themes. And it, so a lot of it is we've got a great groundwork, you know, a great legacy to sort of call back to. And what, what I like about the show is, like, we've tried to make it a little bit more self-referential. So if I'm quoting a musical theme, I'm quoting things from seasons past in this show. But every once in a while, we also found fun ways to incorporate 
a John Williams theme here and there. You know, so I mean, for the most part, it is self-referential to other seasons of Mando or the Boba Fett show. But every once in a while, we'll, we'll throw in a John Williams theme too, just to remind people we are in Star Wars. You know, <laughs> so. The Mandalorian theme is pretty obvious, and of course uh-huh. we know it so well now after right. three years, and there are different elements of that that I know that you use. Uh-huh. There's a theme for Grogu. I guess I haven't noticed. What is it? And I think you must use it subtly. I would say there's a sound for Grogu that oh. you would you would definitely pick up on. Okay. But I would say there's actually like two strong themes, one of which I sort of view as like Grogu is saving the day, <laughs> uh, and then another one that sort of relates to maybe just Grogu, a day in the life. <laughs> but there, there, are two, there are two themes that we've used in the past that we've tried to latch on to Grogu. Like, for instance, in the book of Boba Fett, he's with Luke Skywalker. He's training to become a Jedi. And there's that amazing training montage. Yeah. <laughs> the baby Grogu's training montage. The theme that plays there, you'll hear that this season in, in certain areas. And that's what, that's what you try to do. You try to connect the dots and you try to expand upon what we've, you know, the experience we've already had with these amazing characters. Yeah, I think that's really one of the things that's so special about the music of all these shows. It's all intertwined. Yeah, it's it's such a dense fabric, I would say. And that was something I was really trying my best to achieve with this season is really, like, thread things together in a certain way. Like, the, the tapestry that is this score, it references many different themes and moments of seasons one and two and The Book of Boba Fett. And at certain points, you can you can get the sense of one theme playing while you hear a different theme on top of it and, and just really interweave these themes in fun ways. That, that's just something I get off on, on a music theory level, you know? And it's great when you go back and watch a show for the second time. I think you appreciate it more. There's right. some depth there. Right. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, same, same. You can pick up on so much more, too, when you're listening. For those film music fans out there, if you're listening to the score outside of the show, after you've experienced the, the show, maybe going back and listening to the soundtrack, you can hear more of those details that are in there. Yeah, you know? which is great. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the overall soundscape. What was interesting to me was when I first heard The Mandalorian, there are elements of these unusual instruments. There's orchestra. There's electronics. Yep. And I think a lot of world music instruments, perhaps, yeah. as well. Has that continued on? And is oh. that what you're working with in season three? Certainly, yeah. I think the the overall palette of sounds, the, the sort of the library of different inspirations that have existed in seasons one and two are definitely still there in season three. And luckily, having been there for much of the experimentation phase with Ludwig. It's almost like I was there when the sausage was made, so now it's, <laughs> it's helpful for me now to, to figure out ways to connect it, you know, to connect things from season three back to two and one. But yeah, the, I would say the general gumbo of, uh, of music, it all relates this season. I do think this season has a bit more of a robust orchestral underpinning, just to put it that way, especially the way that the arc of the season progresses as we get deeper into episode seven and eight, it, it feels a bit more of like a bigger orchestral sound, I would yeah, say. Yeah. yeah. And I watched episode five last night, and it seemed like there was a lot of big sort of, and a lot of action, yep. and the orchestra was just so great for that. Yeah, definitely. Well, my favorite part of episode five is uh, the pirate Gorian Shards theme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, is he, that new? Uh, that is new, yeah. Yeah. And he was just such a funky character and just such a fun villain. You know, not only is he scary, it's still kind of like 
fun scary, you know? <laughs> and so right smack in the middle of the episode when Bo kind of rounds the troops up and they're, they're flying in through hyperspace to go attack as these pirates have taken over Navarro, you hear the pirate theme. It was almost, you know, John pitched to me, like, maybe it can have a bit of a sea shanty, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean type thing to it, right? And so, you know. Another kinda, Disney project. Yes, of course, <laughs> of course. It's all in the family. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, I kind of wrote a quirky little villain theme that has some vocals in it. And it is featured when the, the drunk pirates are making their way around town right in the middle of the episode before the big action sequence starts. And that that was a particular fun moment to write. The planets Mandalore and Navarro are sort of key locations in this season. And I'm wondering, do they have their own sounds, or is it more about writing music for characters and situations? That's a good... Question. I would say Navarro has a sound mm-hmm. because we've seen Navarro several times throughout previous seasons. This time, when we first see Navarro, everything's fine. Grief Karga, Carl Weathers' character, right. is the high magistrate, and the town is happy. You know, everybody's doing well. So I used Yulian pipes, but it, it was a bit of a sort of Scottish-Irish thing for them. Some of those types of textures and instruments made their way into their sound. Yeah. Mandalore... For the majority of the season, without giving too much away, it it definitely has just kind of like a sad, run-down, forlorn aesthetic musically. Mm -hmm. And visually, too. Like, at first, no one knows if there's any life left on the planet. You know, I mean, it's a very dark place. So I think the sound of Mandalore was a little bit less musical. It was a little bit more ambient and sound effects driven. Yeah. Yeah. I've especially enjoyed some of the music in the pub scenes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wondered what your musical ideas have been for these sort of background moments. Um, <laughs> but it just seems like fun to me. That's your music, I yeah. presume. Yeah. Those are almost the most fun little tasks that John and Dave <laughs> and Rick will give me. Because I, I have so much fun producing music as well as scoring, but it's fun to just build a quirky, weird little Star Wars sound as if it were on the radio in a distant galaxy, you know. So (laughs) one one in particular is at the beginning of episode five where this whole season, at least the way that I I think of it, it's a big war, you know, and we're talking about different mythologies and different uh, backgrounds coming together and going after one goal. But it's kind of like a big war season. So we found this text that John thought would be fun to translate into a Star Wars language. So there's this one guy, Pablo Hidalgo, is a brilliant linguist at Lucasfilm. And we found this text of the Revolutionary War time that we thought fit with the vibe of this war base. They're, you know, the soldiers are off drinking in the bar. They're, they're off duty and just having a good time. But like in the background, we took this text and, and had Pablo translate it to Corellian, which is a Star <laughs> Wars language. And I built this weird little blues song out of it. And essentially, you know, it's music that maybe they would be listening to in the pub while they're having a beer. And it's me singing in this weird robot voice, but 
John and I just had a ball coming up with that sort of thing. You know, it was so much fun. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I think it, you know, and, and, and it shows the level of detail and care that yeah. goes into these shows. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I, well, I will admit that with the same text, my first two versions didn't quite work. <laughs> so it, I, we were trying to do a certain thing with it that just wasn't quite right. And then... I just went back to the, like my Mississippi roots, I think, is what solved it, at least for me. And then fortunately, John thought it was kind of fun, too. But it was like this blues-inspired sort of trance rock song that sort of did the trick for him. <laughs> there are eight episodes in this current third season of Mandalorian. Are there other special moments or other particularly favorite moments that you had scoring this year? Definitely. Without giving too much away, episodes seven and eight just feel like a movie in and of themselves. Basically, episodes seven and eight, the music that accompanies those two episodes is, I would say, some of my proudest work on this season. And it it had a lot to do with, like I was saying earlier, interweaving these themes together in certain ways. And calling back to earlier moments in the season and addressing new characters as they come up on screen. And it has this very robust symphonic sound to it that I had a a heck of a lot of fun writing and working out. And I think fans will be able to appreciate it on the level of like, oh, I'm I'm hearing that theme and, you know, I'm I'm hearing this theme and they're they're kind of like working together in certain ways or, or competing or, you know, one is winning and the other one is losing, you know. So trying to help tell the story musically is is a fun way to sort of tie things in and connect the dots. How big an orchestra do you use? I think the orchestra grew throughout the season a little bit, but I think where we ended up is the last two episodes. Yeah, it's like 70 pieces. Oh, great. Yeah, but just a big, big sound. I, it was actually a whole thing with COVID. Right. That For the first half of the season, we weren't able to record strings with winds and brass, you know, just for the COVID restriction of it, of it all. Luckily, by the last episode, we got to get everybody together. And that's when it all, I feel like it all kind of fell into place, you know. And some of the music I was writing sort of lended itself well to being performed a little bit more live off the floor instead of, you know, sort of more produced. It it needed to sort of be performed live to be able to support the vision that we were trying to do. In the John Williams tradition. Yeah, it's like a John Williams cue doesn't really need to be mixed. It's like, <laughs> but no, no shame to his to his engineer. I'm just saying yeah. his orchestrations are just so well done that he could record it and, and print it to tape and it's perfect. But um, the cues that we were writing towards the end of the season got a little bit more symphonic and orchestral. So it was nice to have everybody together. Do you conduct? I have conducted. I conducted one episode, or I guess one session of an episode uh, for the Boba Fett season. I think that I'm flailing around, but luckily the (laughs) musicians, maybe they're just being nice. They say, I'm not doing so bad. But it's so fun. I think I just get too, like, caught up in it. It is the most fun. And, you know, I used to play in bands that being out there with the musicians and performing with them, it reminds me of my band pass, you know, so... I think I just get too excited about it. <laughs> and maybe the batons, I'm slamming it on the desk and flipping pages. I'm not aware <laughs> that I'm ruining the take, right? But it, I do love it. But for the most part, Anthony Parnther, who's just a, an amazing friend and, and just phenomenal conductor, conducted most of this season, along with Pete Anthony, who conducted a bit too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How long do you have to write each episode? It really depends. They usually get the music going in a comfortable schedule, but... 
while you're revising or taking notes on one episode, you're orchestrating for other episodes, and it, everything sort of can come together in a, in a stressful way sometimes, but luckily they stretch it out enough that you can somehow manage it. <laughs> I mean, but the, what, what adds a lot of time are the recording sessions. They've always made it a big point, and, and special thanks to Lucasfilm for always supporting that as, as part of this musical tradition, is, is recording this music for a TV show. That honestly doesn't really feel like a TV show. It's it's more like a film. So, I mean, that's the aspect of the timeline that always seems to creep up on you as a composer because you need to address notes and get the score done, but you also need to hand it off to the copyists and the orchestrators and, and get folks moving while you're off working on 40 other minutes of music for the next episode, you know? So it, you do have to move quickly. And now you have joined the ranks yeah. <laughs> of Star Wars composers. How crazy is that? Do you, you ever know? think about what that means? I, yeah, I mean, if you ask me too many times, I'll probably get choked up about it. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it truly is like I'm sort of in a dream state. Because I've just worshipped Star Wars for so long. And John Williams truly was one of the reasons why I want to do this, you know. So, I mean, to even be involved in this sort of way with the, with these types of filmmakers and creators, it's all inspiring for me. And I'm very, very happy to do it and will always want to work on anything Star Wars. You know, I just, I've loved it for so long. This is the way. This is the way, John. This is the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, John. I appreciate you. It's been so much fun. It has. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Disney's Four Scores is brought to you by the Four Scores Playlist, featuring music and interview clips from each composer featured in the podcast series, including Joe Shirley's scores for The Mandalorian Season 3 and The Book of Boba Fett. The Four Scores Playlist is available on all major music streaming services. Experience the magic behind the music you love whenever you like. Check out The Mandalorian Season 3 and The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus and listen to the soundtracks wherever music is enjoyed. <laughs>